0: do anything for love yes i would do anything for love <laughs> i'm sure you can guess how this ends um, and that's kind of what we're in the business of so welcome back to what you've missed on i'm one of your hosts kimberly weir and today he'll be joining me and kate la as we dive into the season two finale of killing eve We'll tally up all of our predictions from the first episode and discuss love, murder, and obsession and try to answer that question. Just what would Eve do for love? (laughs) And what is the difference between love and obsession, really? We don't want to wait any longer than we have to, so let's get started.
1: Are you ready to talk about the season two finale of Killing
0: Eve? Ready, Freddy. I've been ready for this for so long.
1: I have been ready too, especially after watching one of the early episodes of this season. I have just been eagerly, gleefully waiting to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, so, before we get into why I am so gleeful, let's uh, let's review what happened in this final episode of the second season. Uh, so we we pick up and. Villanelle is kind of poking around at their Italian, Rome, I think it's Rome, hotel, and learns that Aaron Peel is secretly murdering the women that he lures in with fancy clothes and meals. And while she's not exactly shocked by the news, she does, like, she joins him at breakfast and then she is very taken aback because he's talking about another buyer who's coming by to purchase his access to all of the information on every single person in the entire world. And the person that is coming by is Raymond, her creepy handler from earlier in the season. So during this conversation, Villanelle uses the safe word gentleman and Eve starts her crash course to come to Villanelle's aid, but she is slowed down because an assassin has showed up on the scene and has left Hugo bleeding in the hotel hallway and she gets downstairs, and no one, like, there's no hotel staff, which I guess feels very Italian. Um, so she ends up leaving a note for them to call an ambulance to save Hugo, because she has to go save Villanelle. So Eve makes it to Aaron's hotel, and she winds up sneaking in through the back, basically just disguised as a maid who only speaks Korean. But she finds Villanelle laughing with Aaron, and... It's a very confusing moment. He ends up offering Villanelle everything that she wants if she starts working for him. Her first task is to kill Eve. And though though Villanelle appears to take him up on the offer, she quickly turns the knife on him and slices his throat while making him watch himself bleed out in a mirror. After that little fun fiasco, Uh, Eve goes back to the hotel to check on Hugo, while Villanelle tracks down a car for their escape. But when she arrives, there's no trace of Hugo or even any of their belongings or presence
0: in their room. Carolyn arrives on the scene and reveals that Villanelle has played into their plan of murdering Aaron Peel, and it will be pinned on her and the Twelve. Eve can't contend with that and refuses to leave Villanelle high and dry. Constantine confronts Villanelle revealing that Raymond would be left off the leash now as his orders were to wait for her to kill um, Aaron um, first before he went after her. He offers her a chance to escape but she won't leave without Eve. Back at the hotel Villanelle is confronted with Raymond and a giant axe. They battle it out but Raymond overpowers her and Eve comes to Villanelle's rescue. Desperate times call for desperate measures and Eve's kill count moves up to one when she takes Raymond out with, um, with the axe. While Eve is coming to terms with what she's done, Villanelle leads her through a secret tunnel to, to some ruins. As Villanelle talks about the beautiful normal life that they're gonna have together in Alaska, Villanelle accidentally reveals she's had a gun the whole time and didn't need Eve to kill Raymond. She wanted Eve to kill Raymond. Villanelle tries to reason with Eve, but Eve's had enough and leaves villanelle doesn't handle eve's rejection well and shoots her from behind leaving her to bleed out in the ruins and that is how we dramatically end season two so
1: yes that is the very dramatic ending to season two of killing eve and i just have one thing to say Mm -hmm. i mean i have many things to say but one very big thing to say i can probably guess i called it (laughs) Constantine is alive. Yes, I get double points. So happy. <laughs> I've never been happier to be right in my life.
0: We need like a, you know, one of those like, air horn. Yes, you did. <laughs> you did call it. I did Good call it. Good on you.
1: Thanks. I'm so proud of myself.
0: It's one of those things. Um, I mean, really, like, he's just such an integral character. For him to die off screen like that, it would have been, I mean, it would have been a real mistake had they done it that way.
1: Yeah, it would have been. Like, I th- i think that's, that's the biggest reason why I was just like, there is no way that he's dead. Like, he's just too important of a character to have this be his death. Like, he's got to be around. He's got to be around. Yeah.
0: I like that he's around. And then he showed up. Yes, and I hope that he's around for, for for much longer in season three because he he left on some shaky yeah. ground there with Villanelle, but we'll get to that.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's been on shaky ground with everyone at some point, so yeah, he feels like a Slytherin in that sense of just like he will survive. He will
0: survive. I will see this. He'll find a the way. The man does not go down easy. So if he if his time should come mm-hmm. on this show. It needs to be rather spectacular, you know, a rather spectacular ending.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because he does kind of feel like a Loki in that sense, that he's like this kind of morally ambiguous character. And do Lokis ever truly die? I mean, one of them has, but two of them have. But. (laughs) Mm, Yes, but,
0: but. But maybe not Constantine. (laughs) I said, hmm. (laughs) Hmm. I said nothing. I said, maybe not. Maybe not Constantine. You said nothing. Nothing Nothing at all. Maybe not
1: Constantine. Okay. I mean, he is human and not a god of mischief. So it seems
0: like he could be a little bit more moral. And he wasn't. He, you know, he injured. And as we learn in the episode where, you know, he's revealed to be alive, Villanelle claims to have shot him in a way that he would survive. Constantine didn't seem like he believed that. And, you know, I don't know that I do either, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's already been wounded. So first blood has been drawn.
1: First blood has been drawn on a lot of characters. Doesn't At mean I think Villanelle is going to die anytime soon. I mean, that's true. At least not for realsies.
0: Villanelle is one of our big two. If you axe her, well, then we don't have any, we presumably have a hard time continuing this show. So, you know, she wouldn't be a very easy kill. Presumably. But, although,
1: arguably, I would say that it's harder to kill Eve since she is the uh, title character. And yet, and at, yet the end of this, <laughs> at the end of this episode, we are certainly led to believe that she is in a uh, pretty precarious situation.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into predictions of what might happen um, mm-hmm. come season three but um and
1: then season it, four <laughs>
0: see, there is a season four in the works which we know of so it that recently already, wrapped filming I learned yeah yeah there Ooh, see I did not know that one and that makes me so excited yeah but,
1: I I only know because sometimes when I open new tabs on my phone it has that like initial page with all these like headlines and stuff and sometimes I'll scroll through to see if there's anything interesting because apparently Google knows me better than I do and they they gave me a headline about someone, a specific person coming home after mm. wrapping a filming season four.
0: The Google gods were- Giving me spoilers. You. <laughs> giving <laughs> you spoilers, yeah. Yes. But just the knowledge, I mean, cause season three has been out for a while and it's up on Hulu and whatnot. Like just the knowledge that there is a season three and then there was a season four in works. Um, I mean, draw whatever conclusions you want to, but I mean, they could be doing something utterly revolutionary. There are very few shows that I would say has that has ever killed their main protagonist in the middle, but there's a there's a first time for everything. So why don't we just dive right in? Like,
1: yeah, do we want to talk about the predictions that well, the, the things that we had discussed from the previous episode?
0: Yes, let's do it.
1: Okay, so I mean we we have covered constantin who was like my my big not even it was not a wild card prediction it was just like refusal to believe what the story was trying to tell me and i guess to get into some of the people around constantin because it was related i had made a prediction that like we were going to be learning more about carolyn as a person and possibly in relation to kenny that we might learn that his father is not necessarily who has been established in the story, and that his father could be Constantine, right? And or that Eve, not Eve, definitely not Eve, Villanelle is actually secretly Carolyn's daughter, mm, and yeah. also possibly Constantine's daughter, Still
0: which is one of my favorite predictions ever to date.
1: <laughs> it's a great, it's a great wild card prediction, and
0: it oh, has right. not.
1: Come true in this season, but we haven't actually like learned about her lineage, Villanelle's mm-hmm. lineage, so I'm not counting it out yet. I'll just it was very, I'll wait it was to find less out focused. maybe next
0: season. Right, right. Um, there's still time, especially since the season was less focused on their interpersonal relationships. Um, it was very much, there's a very linear storyline about what was going on between Eve and Villanelle internally, and it seemed very focused on that. Which I honestly mm-hmm. think was the best choice for a, a second season.
1: Yes. And I mean, I guess we did learn a little bit more about Carolyn. Not even actual like specifics. Like we did meet her boss. And I was like, hey, Madam Hooch is <laughs> ripping a new one into Petunia Dursley. Okay. Yeah. I
0: mean, there's a very small pool of actors in Britain, apparently. Apparently.
1: <laughs> and all of them were in Harry Potter.
0: Every last one. I actually that's one of my favorite you know like you know games that I play with myself when I'm watching like the BBC (laughs) spot the spot the Harry Potter character
1: they were either in Harry Potter or they were in Marple is that what it is Mm.
0: yeah or both
1: yeah because I feel like Marple is like the the British version of Law and Order yeah everyone's been on an episode
0: of Law and Order Mm mm-hmm And we have so many of those that it's really easy to be on an episode of Law and Order. I mean, like, I think my sister has been on an episode of Law and Order. (laughs) It happens.
1: Yep. (laughs) Especially if you're trying to be an actor. (laughs) True, true. You go far back enough into anyone's filmography, any American actor's filmography, and there's probably a Law and Order episode probably but yes so we we still don't know exactly like the motives or whatever behind who carolyn is working for because it it does still very like i still don't believe that she is part of the 12 like there's just too much focus on her trying to like find the 12 or find people who work for the 12 that it feels very targeted if she were part of the 12 and i don't i mean Constantine is a freelancer at this point yeah. since he's technically dead
0: mm-hmm. yeah Constantine definitely in in this series gives off the feeling of he he's not anybody's boss you know and this I mean, is just early off he's of what kind it, of villanelle's
1: boss but also yeah. he's almost like her caretaker
0: right right you know i guess what i mean i guess what i meant by that is that like Carolyn definitely feels like she could be at the top rung of the ladder in the you know of the twelve, whereas Constantine definitely gives off the feeling of he's a he's a if this was a sci fi novel he'd be he'd be a Han Solo you know what I mean like he's mm-hmm. he's a rogue he's doing his he's a mercenary you know he does his own thing whatever's most um, profitable is he, the hmm? is he the Mandalorian
1: is he the Mandalorian,
0: Mandalorian. maybe ooh that's an interesting take. <laughs> because <laughs> he does seem to have a a, co- a code of ethics mm-hmm. regarding family specifically and, and and that's something he doesn't have to have it's just something he, he chooses to have so he has his own code that he's using but he definitely otherwise you know apart from that he goes with wherever the money is you know whoever is gonna offer him the most you know that's what it feels like in this season anyway
1: yeah and some sort of like relative safety
0: yeah yeah
1: but mostly, it's it's just it's the money and yeah. and getting by and staying alive, right? Which, like, fair. But like we said, he Constantine, he's a survivor.
0: He is, yes. And he may have some some tricks up his sleeve yet to be revealed that'll change mm. that opinion in season three. But um, that's just how it felt to me here in season two. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll
1: see. I mean, I did say that, like, I. I knew I was very certain that he was alive at the beginning of the season, but I, I had no idea if he was going to survive the season. And I, I still feel that way. Like, I assume he'll be alive at the beginning of season three, because if they killed him in between, that would be yeah. just as dumb as them trying to tell me that he was dead in season one. But right, I, I don't exactly. necessarily believe that he'll make it out of season three alive. Well, save those He's one of those characters. <laughs> yeah, save those predictions <laughs> for another time.
0: <laughs> yeah no it's
1: a different episode
0: (laughs) yeah no it i mean i understand what you're saying though like he's one he's one of those characters where he's just important enough that if if he was taken away it would be the right amount of like it would be it would it would ah you know it would get the audience so that unfortunately puts him in the line of fire
1: yeah yep, and i like him so much Mm -hmm. i i will say though i think my like weird standout favorite character of the season is carolyn like, every time she shows up on screen, I'm just like, you're not really a good person, but I love you. She's utterly delightful. Really delightful. Yes. She's so much fun to watch. I love the, like, there's some scene, I feel like it's fairly early in the season. Um, I think when she's, like, mm-hmm. mad at Eve about the whole Constantine thing. And she's like, yeah. I... I don't like to be angry because it makes me sleepy. And so she's just <laughs> kind of like, she just keeps this very like even level tone, no matter what is going on.
0: Yeah. She's like, you'll just have to imagine me angry. And then yes. you know, she keeps that tone. And it's not until after that, Steve, you know, Steve. Wow. After, <laughs> I've just been at the Marvel exhibit, guys. Sorry. <laughs> um. Even Steve. Even Steve. Um, Steven's Evans. Anyway, it's not until after Eve leaves that she yawns, yawns. revealing that she that she is <laughs> quite sleepy, therefore quite tired. angry. And it was a beautiful, beautifully crafted moment.
1: Yes. And I love that they that the show has so many of those like really kind of like small, subtle mm-hmm. character moments that like they're very yes. blink and you'll miss it.
0: Yes. It's very good at that. I think that it's it, it's very good at that across the board. I mean, we talked about that in season one and I was very delighted that that continued. The writing stayed very strong in season two and the characters just continued to be poured into regardless of the fact that the narrative was very focused on Eve and Villanelle and their internal journeys. We still got some wonderful moments with Kenny. I was really not very, I was really not very pleased with Eve and how she treated Kenny in this season, but I will get to that when we address it. No.
1: I mean, we can talk about Kenny. do it. Because he's kind of in this whole, like, cater of characters Mm -hmm. that, like, I... Okay, so we had talked about the whole, like, parentage thing. Yeah. And I kind of had it down that he was going to, like, namely stay as support for Eve Mm -hmm. and be somewhat of a neutral party. But that he would start trusting Carolyn even less, especially since he and Eve saw that video. Which, also, that video of Carolyn talking to villanelle in the prison Mm -hmm. i was expecting that to have ramifications Mm -hmm. and it's like literally never brought up this entire season at all like there's even the meeting with villanelle and carolyn in person and Mm -hmm. it seems like they have never met before which felt super weird to me but
0: yeah anyway yeah yeah there yeah yes (laughs) um you know trying to figure out what i can say um there's there's a difference between what, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so basically, I mean, it's one of those things that maybe we'll see it addressed further down the line, but yeah, no, in this mm. season, they very much kept it, they very much kept it wrapped up, you know, like in season one, you know, Carolyn had kind of said, you know, given Eve for her slap on the wrist and said, you know, obviously like and perhaps and everything that I, doesn't mean that you have a right to, like, you know, go off the rails. And Eve has kind of accepted that. But at the same time, they make it clear that she hasn't. You know, she, in in one of the scenes, I can't remember which episode it was, but she does kind of throw it back in Carolyn's face in the earlier episodes of, I still don't know who you're working for. You know, like, Eve still has the suspicion Mm -hmm. that Carolyn might very well be one of the 12. But they don't go further than that to deal with any of the lingering questions about Carolyn's motives or the things that she does to orchestrate and pull strings behind the scenes and then they leave us with this 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 terrible cliffhanger where we learn that not only Nell's able to plan the murder of Aaron Peel because it is a murder regardless of how they want to spin it <laughs> um and would I would.
1: Actually, I feel like it's not a murder. I feel like it's an assassination.
0: It is. Oh, that is a good word. It's like the difference.
1: Well, because the difference between a murder and an assassination is that there has to be like political motivations for an assassination. Based on what Aaron Peel was selling, which is. Information about literally everyone in the entire world, and that they were trying to keep that from getting into the hands of like governments and stuff. That feels like a political motivation to me.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree with I you. Don't know. But I would also bring up the okay. fact that many of the 12's murders are politically motivated assassinations. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, murder assess. The point being that like Carolyn has shown herself to be, <laughs> yes. <laughs> has shown herself to be a a spider in the middle of a very tangled web and she's pulling a lot of strings Mm -hmm. and just because it was an m16 sanctioned assassination doesn't mean it still isn't part of the 12's greater plan you know and Mm -hmm. there's also that we have to talk about the fact that oh and i'm going to blank on her name but the new one of their new teammates it was hugo and
1: yeah, I was just thinking Everyone. that I had blanked on her name because I know, I only know Hugo's name
0: because I was writing about it for the synopsis. <laughs> right. And also he leaves us in a very also not hot way, which is <laughs> something we're going to talk about. But
1: I know that she was in um, Love Actually.
0: I do remember that. Mm-hmm. And like it's one of those things where I've seen her face in so many things. And I should know her name by now, but it's not coming to me. Uh, Jess. Jess. So yes. ordinary. Maybe that's it. <laughs> um anyway yeah no Jess hints to Eve that she there's good reason to believe that Carolyn's not all that invested on Eve surviving you know she asks her about it's when she asks her about the paperwork like hey you know Mm -hmm. I don't really see you filling out forms and complaining about all the red tape and Eve reveals that like she just doesn't really have to deal with that it's not part of her job and Jess reminds her that like it doesn't matter how high up the ladder you are like it's everybody's job and if they're not keeping a paper trail on you there's probably a good reason for that and so i don't know i mean what do we think like it's very possible that carolyn expected eve to die on this little venture as well works for and i think they do a very good job of that but you're you're still not convinced
1: i i don't know i i still think that she's like working against the 12 enough that like I just don't necessarily buy it right now. I still think that there's a possibility that she could be working for an organization that's working against the 12. Cause she does seem very focused on them until they find the ghost. And then, and then it's like, mm-hmm. let's focus on this group, whoever the fuck they are. Cause we have no idea who, wait, no, we do. Uh, it was, mm-hmm. Al- it was Alan Peel. Never mind, <laughs> Aaron Peel, Alan Peel, all these like a names. Um, The ghost was working for Aaron. Not another organization. But I don't know. I just don't know. Like, it doesn't sit right with me. But maybe it's kind of like the gossip girl thing. Because when they did the reveal on that, I was like, this is the least satisfying reveal of my entire life. And I don't know what to do with that information. Mm -hmm. So I could see that being a similar reveal where like, you've given me enough evidence against this being the case that now I don't quite believe you. But maybe the evidence is, I mean, everything thing is a matter of perspective in this show because they could just be showing us partial information mm-hmm. i know one of the things that we had down for kenny or that i had down for kenny yeah. that i considered a silly prediction was that maybe he is working for the 12th but probably not and that hasn't necessarily been confirmed or denied in this season we know that he kind of does whatever his mother tells him to which was also an interesting point, because at one point during the season, mm-hmm. Carolyn makes a very big point when she's talking to Constantin about how she has taken measures to kind of distance yeah. herself from her love for Kenny. so so that if anything happens to him, it won't be a big deal to her, but she still keeps him close. Like I would I was thinking about this. And like, if I were Carolyn and I were doing this kind of stuff, this kind of work, and I had like gone through. I work great. to emotionally distance myself from my child. Wouldn't I want them to be like as far away from me as possible and like not involved in my work?
0: Yeah. But you're thinking, you're thinking from the perspective of someone who's capable of deep emotion. I mean, is it love or is it control? Because the one thing about shows that deal with psychopaths is mm. when they're written well, in my opinion, is that they ask us to to question how we view psychopathy which is it's not just you know you know it's not cape and dagger you know it asks us to re-examine in ourselves like that we don't necessarily like to kind of dig up and think about it asks us to see shades of that within the characters you know shades that reflect ourselves and i think that this show does a particularly good job of giving us several characters who on the surface are very charming and very likable but when you really start to pick apart their actions and what they're willing to do to other people for their amusement for the thrill for for their own basic gratification whatever their you know whatever they think their motives may be it calls into question like okay so who is the psychopath here all of them and maybe we just don't have one maybe all <laughs> you know all of the above
1: except maybe like jess
0: yeah you have characters who kind of provide a, a buffer and a contrast and you know uh and a foil for all of these characters who, who while incredibly engaging are also incredibly selfish at their course mm-hmm. <laughs> <my child>. yeah <laughs> like, this is made, true you know she just so casually says, you know oh i i made sure i didn't fall in love with my child but who says that carolyn Oh yeah, Carolyn says that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Carolyn <laughs> says
1: that. she does say. About yeah, I think it says a lot about Carolyn. I mean, we've already mm-hmm. seen that like she she does not seem to experience the world in the same way that many of us do, and it's not mm-hmm. necessarily in the same way that Villanelle sees the world. It's not necessarily the same way that Eve sees the world. They all have very different perspectives, but it is entirely possible that they are all somewhere on that psychopathy spectrum like they even had that expert guy the psychopath expert who came in and gave the the presentation that's like designed to like lull them into boredom and it seemed like there was some test within it that mm-hmm. might reveal that maybe eve is farther along that spectrum than she would necessarily like to believe oh
0: yeah yeah Oh yeah, no, and that's the whole premise of the show, right? Like, that's that's the sort of will-they-won't-they they tension between Eve and Villanelle. I mean, there's more than that, but like, there is, you know, that, that's a huge element of it, of Eve. We know Eve has a darkness, and we know that she's sort of being drawn closer and closer down that down that path by Villanelle for Villanelle's amusement. And potentially because she has deeper feelings, but we can get into that. But I think that, like, yeah, we can get into device. that now because,
1: like, yeah, we, we can talk about that deeper relationship and the those feelings that are happening there because, honestly, based on the things that I have seen or heard or just, like, heard about how people talk about the show, I was fully expecting Villanelle and Eve to be in, like, an actual relationship by this point of some kind. Like, I mean, like, yeah, have consummated that relationship in some fashion other than
0: stabbing not a complaint just an observation I think for this kind of show though that is for this kind of show um that is a consummation you know like that is a titular moment for them and Eve knows that that's why she has such a hard time with dealing with the knowledge that she's manipulated into it I think you know um because there is no going back you've killed with your with your bare hands and you've killed because you care about someone it wasn't just that her mm-hmm. eve's personal you know like her personal well-being was in danger or that because it was the right thing to try and stop this man from killing another person in front of her she intervened because she cares about villanelle and she has to live with that knowledge that she's willing to kill for villanelle and beyond that Willing to kill for Villanelle, and like she
1: just abandoned her old, her whole like life and operation, yeah, because she was like, I can't just like leave Villanelle like this, like I can't let you do her dirty like that, and just like mm-hmm. let her fend for herself and take all the blame for this murder that you set her up to do, right? And that's. That's already telling us a lot about how she feels about Villanelle because, like, by all counts, like, this woman has killed one of her Mm -hmm. best friends and her dick swab Mm -hmm. ex-boss and a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of other people, including Mm -hmm. some that she doesn't know about.
0: At least one that she doesn't know about yet. (laughs) More on that in a minute. Not yet. Um, Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And just to roll it back even, you know, even further, she was, you know, the first option the first choice that she has to make is whether or not she's going to leave the coworker that she has recently slept with, recently used for, you know, used his body. Mm -hmm. In in other words, bleeding out on a hotel floor alone, or she's going to go rescue Villanelle when she thinks Villanelle is in danger. And she very quickly (laughs) decides that Hugo's just going to stay there on the on the hotel floor she's gonna write a note though she's gonna leave a note that somebody call an ambulance <laughs> and then she's gonna go and don't forget her date right <laughs> with the, the hitman right yeah no there's this is hitman that walks in and oh my gosh it ends with him asking her on a date which was hilarious but yeah no like that's the first moment where she chooses somebody else's yeah. life just in this episode <laughs> yeah, just in this episode alone, where she chooses Villanelle over somebody else's life. And um, it, it, Eve, yeah, no, it's not looking good for Eve on the psychopathy scale. And I do think that the show is asking us to take on how to spot a psychopath. Um, and uh, it's inviting us to apply that to all of the characters. And um, <laughs> I mean, Eve's not doing hot, but in my mind, Carolyn isn't doing so hot either.
1: No. Or, or maybe she just has, like, a very intense way of regulating her emotions. And yes. it just looks like psychopathy. I don't know. We don't know. I mean, what do they teach people when they're coming into MI6? Right,
0: right. And I found it really interesting, even the first time that I watched it, when she, you know, when uh, the that little professor guy goes back to the library and you learn that she kind of set up a test for Eve. And she asks, How did Eve do? And he fully recommends what anybody in their right mind would recommend of like, you need to pull this woman from the field. She's much too close. <laughs> this is asking for, for trouble. And she chooses, for her own reasons, to continue on with the plan. And we could just assume she wants Aaron Peel that badly. But at that moment, she didn't even know what Aaron Peel was actually selling. What the weapon was so it just kind of shows it's all very murky right or at least she says that she doesn't know right yeah yeah there's the fact that we don't know if we can take her at her word for that even and especially if she's working for the 12 it's very possible she knew more again it's all very murky but we can know that uh that eve that carolyn is very willing to break the rules and manipulate people and use them like chess pieces all for her own gain. And that this whole life she finds very, very titillating and amusing. And that makes her odd to other people. And it makes it hard for hold on, to, to hold on to relationships almost impossible, but she would choose she still chooses this life.
1: She is married to her job in a, in a way that's not dissimilar to Eve mm-hmm. and that it, It consumes her whole life and like quite literally since her son is also involved in this he's
0: also one of the best going back to our our earlier conversation about her keeping him close and you know is that love or is it control um when when eve fires kenny after kenny who's kind of serving as a voice of moral reason in this season um when kenny is kind of trying to get Eve trying to steer Eve back to the path of the light <laughs> in other words um, Eve
1: resists that. her back from
0: yeah now yeah so Eve resists that by firing him and um, you know uh, Carolyn finds up another assignment but when she does that Hugo is the left is left to build Villanelle's like backstory um, and so when Aaron goes looking into her um, he finds a void which kind of tips him off that something is wrong. And yeah, he, uh, Hugo and Eve had kind of have that moment of like, well, if you wanted it done perfectly, you shouldn't have got rid of Kenny. And we've seen Kenny yeah. be very competent and do things, you know, do that hacker thing where, you know, he, he's, he's very me- much meant to be understood as sort of a genius in his own right in that regard. And that's very useful to Carolyn.
1: It is very useful. It's very useful to Carolyn. It'd be very useful to MI6 and it could be very useful to the twelve. Very, very. Mm. Mm. You don't know what, what will happen in the follow- I mean, you know, but I don't. <laughs> right. right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very bad. <laughs> Shall we talk about uh Nico?
0: Yes, poor Nico.
1: So Nico. We I we I had it down. That his patience was going to wear out and it was going to result in a fracture in their relationship. Uh, We wanted Nico to be the one to say enough, but also thought it would be kind of cool for Eve to be the one to realize that, like, they're just not on the same path and for her to let him go. But we weren't I wasn't sure that that was going to happen. It felt more like like Nico was going to be the one to say enough. And also, I wasn't sure that Villanelle was going to go after him specifically, like to kill him. But we're still concerned. I was still concerned for his safety because I did also have my my wild card prediction about Nico, which was that Eve was going to kill him either accidentally or intentionally. But she was going to lead him to his death. So. Right. Nico had a rough season.
0: (laughs) Very rough season.
1: I would say that, I mean, his patience did wear out. And there was a massive fracture in their relationship. He wound mm-hmm. up leaving Eve. Oh, yeah. And Villanelle was certainly a part of that, sometimes more actively than, than Eve was really aware of. Just in terms of, like, like, putting that apple in his office and talking to the teacher who also has a crush on him. And filing complaints mm-hmm. with the school to see if Eve would actually... It was, it was more of a game
0: mm-hmm. for
1: Nico, than for Eve in a way because she was manipulating Nico into realizing that Eve does not care about him as much as she cares about Villanelle
0: yes yeah now Villanelle is very much a naughty cat and that Villanelle knows her better mm-hmm. yeah yes yeah and she does love her games and, and and she very much played with Nico this this season and she had the opportunity to kill Nico but And she gives us her reason why she doesn't, you know, it's all about Eve, you know, if she does this, it just puts a further wall between her and Eve, you know, Eve will use it as a reason why, you know, reason to, you know, to put distance between them. You know, what Villanelle wants uh, from Eve is for them to consummate their relationship. She wants Eve to kill someone and then they're going to skip off to Alaska to plant a garden and, you know, maybe have a cabin somewhere. And if she kills Nico, there's, you know, it, it, that's just going to be that that much harder to get past Eve's walls. And so that's the only reason. Yeah. Survives well, this season, really.
1: Because it does seem like she has learned something from the situation with Anna mm-hmm. in Russia that, like, maybe she shouldn't kill the husband. Yeah. And maybe that's a decision that Eve has to come to on her own. Mm-hmm. But doesn't mean that Villanelle can't have her fun. Exactly. Oh. And then just be pleased every time that Eve chooses her over Nico or that she knows more about Eve than Nico.
0: Yeah. And poor, poor Gemma or Gemma. I wasn't really sure how they were pronouncing that, but not. Gemma? Gemma, I think. yeah.
1: Yeah, so Nico survived the season, but the teacher who was so enamored with Nico did not. Did not.
0: <laughs> really did not. Um, oh, she did not and it so for me anyway i i would still keep your prediction on the table because steve or steve why do i keep saying steve eve, eve and
1: <laughs>
0: you're really just still I in that still marvel very headspace much in marvel headspace but um yeah no eve and Nico's relationship is very much still still in the process of unraveling and if villanelle has learned that eve needs to be the one to untangle that or or nico himself you know like like villanelle can't be the one to sever that tie it has to happen within their relationship so season three you know we will see yeah although i'm curious
1: about what is gonna happen with nico because when we last see him in the show like he's in that storage unit with Gemma, and Gemma's dead, and he's been, like, knocked out, so, like, I don't- is he locked into the storage unit? Can he get out on his own? Like, I'm- I have yeah. questions about
0: what is going on with him. <laughs> it looks like she cut air holes for him, because that's the other thing. There's not, like, a lot of air. You know, like, there's a lot of stale air, but when the door is yeah. shut, some people- people have suffocated before in storage units. Um, but, you know- like, there was those three holes drilled into the front. So I don't know if Villanel put those there or if they just were supposed to already be there. I don't know. But he can breathe. We know that much. Yeah. They were there for safety. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And one wonders because when you get out of that situation and you report it to the police, did Villanelle leave any evidence of sketchy situation? Someone came. I was in here with my girlfriend or, you know, my colleague, and um someone came in and murdered her and knocked me out and and he's a man i mean it's unfortunate but it's reality (laughs) if Villanelle didn't leave any evidence i mean he may be
1: oh he's a man not only is he a man but now there are documented Mm -hmm. complaints about him
0: Mm -hmm. as a teacher yeah
1: And probably a history, like, if you talk to other teachers at the school, I'm sure there would be kind of a history of seeing flirtatious Uh behavior and, like, knowing that his marriage was on the rocks, but not Uh knowing why his marriage was on the rocks and that he was staying with Gemma. It does not, the case against Nico does not look good. And it's very hard to be like, well, there's this, like, mysterious assassin lady who's obsessed with my wife. And she killed her, not me.
0: <laughs> right? No, exactly. It sounds exactly as ludicrous as you just put it. So, I mean, there's it. It's not looking good for Nico either. You know, for for season three. But we'll see how that how that shakes out.
1: Yeah, because now he's probably got going to have the law involved. Maybe, maybe, probably. I don't know. Like, I can't imagine he's just gonna like leave Gemma's body in the
0: storage unit we will see because will Nico see. has proven there's also a lot that he will do for Eve. You know, he, he does genuinely love her. I mean, he was playing games of his own, you know, with Gemma, you know, I mean, you uh, he can say what he wants to about them just being friends, but when you you, he knew what he was doing. And I don't believe that he was actually having a full-on affair with her. But at the same time, he 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 was trying to get Eve's goat. Um, which, fair enough, when you're, you know, fighting for someone's heart. And-
1: well, get her goat. Get her goat, but also, like, one of the things that, like, he wants from Eve is, like, her affection and her attention. And yeah. so he's getting that from another woman. Mm-hmm. And it feels good even if he's not necessarily like looking for a romantic emotional attachment or a sexual attachment or anything like that like he is starving for attention mm-hmm. and affection in that way yeah. and i mean it's it's
0: a form of cheating if you really want to get onto those yeah levels but yeah no i mean it's what it's why it's such a dangerous game to play when you're in a yes. relationship with someone um, this is a game slippery of, slope oh, just a friend you know? it's a very slippery slope because you're still human and you do when you're not getting something from your partner that creates a wound um and if you do go seeking it in other people mm-hmm. you know you don't just sit there and starve and he very much was using Gemma as a as a band-aid and I mean, it's very sad that this poor woman, who seemed very genuinely very sweet, I mean, willing to flirt with a married man, um, she was very much playing a kind of long game of, I believe he loves me better, and if I just wait this out, um, he's gonna be mine. Um, which, you know, <laughs> I mean, she didn't deserve to die for that, by any means. No. Um, but nonetheless, when pressed. At the at the pain of death, really, and knowing that she may not like the answer, when Villanelle asks who he loves, he answers honestly that he loves Eve and not this woman beside him. And you know, Villanelle tells him that it was the wrong answer, and she he he should have chosen Gemma. Which do you think that had he would she she says she was so close to letting them go, but do you believe that?
1: Uh, it's Bell and else so no <laughs> she likes playing with her food mm-hmm. and she likes playing games and I like I don't know how you could get out of an interaction like that with with your with no consequences
0: mm-hmm. right none none whatsoever no I definitely agree with you I think she I mean you said it best already like she loves playing with her food she and- does but it does say something of Nico in that moment. I felt I remember first watching it and being so sure that he was about to die and just being like, ugh. I really do love him as a as a character and as a husband. Um, but um, he, need, he needs to get out. He needs to get out. He needs
1: to get out. Get out to safety. Just save yourself, my dude. Mm-hmm. This relationship is not going to give you what you want. So, yes, Eve did not kill Nico in this season. But much like the villainal secretly being Carolyn's daughter, we can neither confirm nor deny. Yes. We have no yes. it, it hasn't happened yet, but that doesn't mean it won't. Um I wanted to talk about the use of music in this season. Mm. Cause yes. I like I loved the music in this season and it really I think it started catching me in the second episode. When she when when Villanelle is staying with that guy, who turns out to be a creepy motherfucker,
0: mm-hmm. um, doll man,
1: doll man, he was <laughs> he was a treat. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's this one specific track. that's called "Cry Baby Cry," and it's mm-hmm. used many times throughout the season, and particularly this like the lines of if I gave you my heart, would you take it? You break it? yeah. And if I gave you my heart, would you break it?
0: Yeah.
1: And it yeah. felt so thematically interesting how and when they used it. Yep. Cause there were a lot of mo- like the first moment, I think, I mean, I'd have to go back and rewatch the first episode, but I think the first time we actually hear it is, after she has her, like, showdown with Dollman and leaves him dead and is, like, stumbling out of his house. Mm-hmm. And it's just, just like, this really beautiful, quiet, haunting track as she's, like, escaping imminent death. Yeah. But eventually it goes over both of them. Like, I know it plays over Eve at one point and it plays over both of them together at a few points.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's used, music is used to such wonderful effect in this season to let us know, to give us a peek into the internal, what's going on internally with these characters in a way that yes. dialogue can't, like that's how you really use music well in cinema. And, you know, and it's such, it's so interesting because we've been given this, this fact about that they can't form relationships, that they can't empathize with others, that they can't, essentially they can't love. Like, you know, and I think he he, he almost indirectly tells Eve, you know, the thing that you want isn't going to happen. Like this woman cannot love you back. Um, but the like the, the journey, the emotional journey that we're watching these characters go on kind of challenges that. It, it, it asks us to challenge that belief in, you know, anyway. Um, cause well, there at least
1: it asks us to kind of challenge our beliefs and what we consider love to be and what it right. actually looks like. Because there are, and I know this has come up even with shows like You mm-hmm. and and honestly getting into like traditional romantic comedies, that there's a lot of behavior in like romantic comedies that we paint as being romantic, or like even mm-hmm. in Twilight, um, but when you look at it, it's actually a really scary behavior. Yeah, and I feel like this show does a good job of showing like this behavior on a level is what we would consider romantic traditionally. Yeah. maybe not like killing someone for another person, but. But maybe, because, like, we do have that kind of, like, yeah, I would, like, throw myself in front of a bus to save you. And, like, I would do anything to save your life. I would kill someone to save you. Mm -hmm. But is that love?
0: Right. And the games and the manipulation, of course, are also dialed up, up to a 10 because we're dealing with, like, you know, killers and assassinations. But when you take that, right. But so often, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, you know, so often we see behaviors, maybe not dialed up so high, but we see similar behaviors in modern media and in literature that is just as toxic, just as alarming. But we say, we write it off as romantic, you know? Yep. Looking at you, Twilight, but um. Well, it's not, I mean, we, we all give Twilight a hard time, but it's 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 really not just Twilight. It's so, it's love right now. The romantic pursuit has always been a little bit, has always been a little bit problematic, really. I was reading, recently reading um, a book that had like, you know, um, 18, you know, 18, I don't remember the, the last two digits. So we're just going to say, you know, 1900s 1800s. Century. Right, the 1800s, like 19th century dating advice of like how to pursue a woman, essentially. And the ways that they were telling men <laughs> that it was okay to pursue a woman. And essentially like any sign that she gives you that she's uncomfortable or she's shy, just know that women are kind of delicate and you have to just keep pursuing. You know, like it's just, mm-hmm. you know, this is romance. Like she's the pretty flower. She's waiting for you to hunt her. So just go ahead and hunt. Um what dangerous advice to give anybody like what a what a what a dangerous mindset to have about love and romance especially given the fact that we know how that plays out quite often Mm -hmm. and that hasn't really changed in modern times
1: no i mean we still have a lot of romantic comedies where the male lead is pursuing the female lead over and over and over again until they're kind of like worn down Mm -hmm. or We see it as romantic that they have finally, like, earned their love, which is also gross. Like, you don't earn love. But, like, I even think about one of my favorite romantic comedies, one of my favorite movies, is You've Got Mail. Mm. And that movie has a very large plot line, part of the plot, where the two characters have been exchanging presumably anonymous correspondence and at one point one of the characters knows who the other one is and actively manipulates their relationship into becoming better
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and they fall in love in the process and like i do like i genuinely love this movie but when you look at the actual like behavior like if anyone were to do this to me in real life i would be so angry yeah yeah because it's not romantic. It's
0: not. it's not. It's manipulative, dishonest, and scheming. And it's a violation. It's a violation of trust. And, you know, he's born to hunt. <laughs> I mean, the, I, the, I remember sitting there, you know, just kind of thinking about like, okay, so how much has that changed? And I don't think that it's changed much at all. We just change the way we talk about it. Yeah. We find new ways to say All's fair that you no, know, all's fair in love and war. Like as long as you don't kill her, I guess you're the good guy. Whatever, yeah, whatever that means. Right. <laughs> right? Right. Uh, oh, you know it's so. So what is? So what is love?
1: Mm-hmm. For the deep questions.
0: <laughs> the deep questions.
1: I don't know. I don't. I mean, some some media there. would tell me that love is an open door. Love is an open door.
0: <laughs> I won't treat anybody to the full song, but <laughs> some media would tell you that love is an open door.
1: You know, I don't the think Bible it's something that, that can be connected. easily summarized.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, I would agree with you that it's not so easily summarized. You know, like, like what I was getting at is that my childhood like bible education definitely teaches that love is all about the action it's about what you do and how you how you essentially earn another person's regard I agree with you in the sense that like you can't earn you know feats of romance or or whatever doesn't mean that the other person owes you love in return Um, but I do think that love is something that you have love is something that can be a response to genuine action, genuine Mm -hmm. selfish, selflessness, and genuine love, genuine love when outpoured, sometimes invokes a reaction of genuine love returned, but not always. And that's where it ceases to be a transaction, you know, and you can neither expect that you're going to get love in return, nor demand that you get love in return. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, it makes total Mm -hmm. sense. And I, I don't know, I mean, we're going to get, we're just getting real deep right now, um, but it feels like love is more <laughs> of a verb, like it's not something mm-hmm. that you, we, we've talked about this before, that like it's not something you choose once and then you're just like you love someone or you love something, like you have to keep yeah. choosing it over and over again, and sometimes that's in action, sometimes it's in words, sometimes it's just in time, like we can go into the five love languages if we need to, but... <laughs> Yes. One of these days, I mean, mean, (laughs) and and I mean, we do, like, what do we consider love for ourselves? Because what Mm -hmm. what we consider love for ourselves might tell us a bit about what we believe about love in general.
0: Mm -hmm. I think the best I can come up with, like the the closest ever, because, you know, your definition is ever changing as you grow and as you learn things, but Mm -hmm. the best that I've come up with thus far in my life is that love is choosing the best for for someone regardless of what that means for you you know what i mean like if i love you and this is apart from self love and knowing the balance between when you need to practice self love and when you need when it's okay to extend love to another person and how to extend love to another person but knowing Being able to know what the best is for you, the genuine good for you, and doing that thing if you have the capability to do it.
1: Yeah. So do you think that Villanelle does love Eve?
0: I think that Villanelle thinks she loves Eve because she thinks she knows what's best for Eve and she's trying to do that thing. But she doesn't... I think Villanelle has a lot to learn and I'll leave it at that.
1: Okay. (laughs) Do you think mm-hmm. Eve loves Villanelle?
0: I think Eve has very strong feelings for Villanelle and she's fighting those feelings and it makes for a lot of mess. And I think that I think that it's very possible that if she's unable to pull herself out of Villanelle's orbit, she could very come to a realization that she is in love with villanelle but whether or not she's able to love villanelle the way that love should be enacted we'll see
1: okay what about you um i mean villanelle definitely believes that she's in love with eve i think that it's kind of i'm gonna make a weird not a weird reference um it feels kind of like a sherlock moriarty type thing where they recognize Mm -hmm almost an equal like she, villanelle recognizes an equal in eve at least and wants to like bring her to her fullest potential which is mm-hmm. i guess a form of love but she has veered into obsession and i don't know yeah. how that she knows how to regulate that or mediate mm-hmm. it or i mean she definitely has genuine feelings of some kind but i don't know that they're love yeah yeah and for Eve, I feel like, at least as far as we have seen, there's more of a case that she, she does love Villanelle. Because, like, even in this last episode, like we talked about, she chooses Villanelle's safety three mm-hmm. times over the safety of other people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes other people's actual lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, she does very much ultimately choose to kill someone mm-hmm For villanelle yep and much like with Eve with villanelle it might not why do i keep calling eve villanelle we're just you why keep calling eve calling steve eve? i keep <laughs> calling her villanelle we're having a day um <laughs> but i think much like with villanelle i don't i don't know if those feelings are like love love or if they're some other variation of it that is more on the side of obsession but we'll see we'll see
0: yeah i i think that we're in agreement that right now they're both very much caught in a very strong desire for each other but whether or not that can transform into anything close to a healthy and strong love for one another we'll 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 see Mm -hmm. we shall (laughs) see and then i guess
1: final questions um would would you rewatch it again
0: oh absolutely I love the show (laughs) (laughs) I watched it all the way through again um you know until the finale and I'm really excited for us to start watching season three I mean no hint hint but (laughs) um and then now that I know that season four has wrapped I need that I need that like yesterday
1: (laughs) well hopefully we'll get it soon enough Um, I would probably also go back and rewatch it because it was like, it was so good. And I feel like even though I was paying a lot of attention, like, there's definitely stuff that I missed. And like, I don't know, like, now that I know what, where the season is leads, I want to go back and like, watch it unfold. (laughs) Knowing. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that I have the time for it, but I would do it. And then um, would you recommend, would you recommend the show to anyone? Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, we'll leave it at that. No, I, I literally recommended it in my, uh, uh, I'm in a, a film group called Mezcla. And I was like in Slack, watching the episode, like, is anybody watching Killing Eve? <laughs> so yes, I fully recommend to any listener out there who has not watched it yet.
1: Yeah, I would say if you have trouble with like blood or violence, maybe skip.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But otherwise, like, it is top-notch storytelling wonderful music beautiful cinematography incredible acting the driest humor you will ever come across it's a very enjoyable show chef kiss yep
0: (laughs) yes very much so
1: yeah so listeners let us know do you want us to cover season three do you want to come (laughs) along with us on this journey let us uh tweet tweet at us at uh what's it w-y-m-o
0: uh, yes, WYMO.
1: So d- WYMO podcasts. WYMO podcast.
0: Yeah, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> Me trying to figure out the accurate in real time. That's a wrap on this episode of What You Missed On. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. You can find the show on Twitter at WYMO Podcast. You can find Kim on Twitter at KJOUR and Kate on Instagram at Your Story Unstuck. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.